This is the Taiwanology podcast from Commonwealth Magazine, where we discuss Taiwan matters and why they matter to you. Coming to you from Taipei, the capital of the freest nation in Asia. Welcome to another episode of the Taiwanology podcast. This is your host Guangying Liu from Taiwan's Commonwealth Magazine. Today we are going to talk about Vietnam, a country that has made headlines in recent years for its economic growth and also for its evolving roles. If you follow the Commonwealth English website, you could read our latest cover story on the ambitions of Southeast Asia. So for this cover story, I went to Thailand. Uh, Bangkok, to be exact, for about two weeks, and my colleague went somewhere else. So for two years, there's been a significant shift in the restructuring of the global supply chain, in the wake of a trend to decouple or say de-risk from the dependence on China for manufactured goods. This is why Apple started making iPhones in India. Or why Taiwanese electronics manufacturers are now busy setting up shop in Vietnam. So Vietnam is at the heart of this transformation. Companies across the globe are all looking at Vietnam as a promising hub for manufacturing and trade. In this episode, we are going to find out why that is, how Vietnamese feel about this shift, and is Vietnam ready to take off. I'm very delighted today to have my colleague Silva Shishuhua in the studio today. She spent ten days in Vietnam in August and had an exclusive inside look into Vinfast, which is Vietnam's answer to Tesla. But more importantly, she also talked to a lot of Taiwanese Korean business people who have been in Vietnam for a long time. What do they really think about this great migration? And with this. Benefit or harm their business prospects in the long run. We are very eager to hear from Silva. Hi, Silva. Hi, Guang. Thank you so much for having me today. It's really a, a pleasure. So,、uh, Silva has been my colleague for over ten years. I, I would say she's been an, an expert in international affairs and China. She has lived in Beijing for a few years, so she's really an expert in Asia affairs. So, first of all, what made you want to look at Vietnam now? Okay, so the short answer is we want to see the impact of the so-called China Plus One strategy. Okay,、uh, can you maybe explain what is the China Plus One strategy? Yeah, so it has been almost like five years since、mm-hmm. President Donald Trump began setting tariffs on China, and the tension among the cross strait is rising. So we've heard a lot of like Taiwanese businessmen, especially the Apple supply chain,、mm-hmm. are moving their capacity out of China to Vietnam. So that's so-called China Plus One strategy. Right. So I have some interesting observations. So in the beginning of doing research for this project, I initially thought China Plus One, meaning I thought it meant we have to manufacture outside of China. And in the beginning, I didn't know that China also included Taiwan. So China plus one is actually Greater China plus one. Yes, so correct. So I I don't think a lot of people know that. 
So yes, like I mentioned that because not only because the tension between China and the U.S., but also the tension mount the cross strait is rising. So actually, the China plus ones expanded to the so-called Greater China plus one, moving not only out of China but also Taiwan as well. Right. So I guess there is good and bad, but we will come to that later. Okay, China plus one. Then the next question is why Vietnam? So we see that the COVID once disrupt the the moving, but this year the supply chain shift is back on this year. So we are wondering the impact this trend has brought, and not only to Taiwan business and to Vietnam as well. But why they pick Vietnam? That's really a good question. So probably probably we can see into two different dimensions. For one, if we see the geopolitics angle. Vietnam is located at the corner of the important South China Sea, so the location is important. And the other thing is because it's close to China, so it looks like an extended arms of China.、Mm-hmm. So it's easy for the businessman to move their capacity from China to Vietnam. Right. So we say that because the geolocation and the economic ties with two. Powers, so that's why Vietnam is become so important right now. Right, and Taiwan is not the only one that's looking at Vietnam right now. As a matter of fact, we have seen that the U.S. has also been paying a lot of attention to Vietnam just this year. So in July, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen visited Vietnam, and she called Vietnam a key partner in friendshoring supply chains. We'll get to that later. And the U.S. President Biden also visited Vietnam early September. Okay, first of all, for、um, those who are not familiar with the term, what does friendshoring mean, and、um, uh, why is it happening in Vietnam? So, just like the literary sense to move the manufacturing and the sourcing into the countries that belong to the allies, that means friendshoring. So, like U.S. allies, yes, the U.S. friend of circle,、mm-hmm, right? And、um, I, I really think it's interesting because earlier this year, in、uh, the forum、uh, where Chris Miller and、uh, Morris Chang they were talking about the chip war, and、uh, Morris Chang was not very happy that、uh, the friendshoring does not include Taiwan. Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of、uh, sarcastic. So you're saying that、um, Vietnam, because it's Vicinity to China, and also it's a strategic friend ally of the U.S. It's becoming very popular right now, right? And can you talk about from the Taiwanese business point of view, how important is Vietnam for their supply chain? So probably I can ask you the question first. I know that you've been visit Vietnam eight years ago. What's the scene scene back then? What were the Taiwanese businessman doing back that time, right? So, as a matter of fact, Taiwanese businesses have been doing business in Vietnam for decades. I think it first started in maybe 1980s or 1990s, but at that time, it was mainly more traditional manufacturing. For example, steel making or textile, shoe making, and most of it. Concentrated in south of Vietnam, so that's surrounding Ho Chi Minh City, which I believe you also visited, 
so there was a lot of more traditional, I would say, industrial production. So there were some manufacturing for like car parts or bicycle parts. But at the time, we heard about the electronic supply chain. They are beginning to take shape in northern Vietnam near Bac Ninh, near Hanoi. So, but at the time, we were hearing that it was mainly Samsung Electronics. What's happening this time? What What do you see? Are the kind of Taiwanese businesses that have started in Vietnam? So the scene changed totally different because mm-hmm. the background we've just discussed because of the conflict between the U.S. and China, they mainly focus on the technology war. Okay. And so we've seen a lot of the the Apple supply chain, the electronic manufacturing of Taiwan are moving from China to Taiwan. So unlike the business you just mentioned, the like shoes or traditional manufacturing, the scenery in Vietnam we've seen is mostly focused on the electronic manufacturer. So for example, for laptops or? For laptop and also the cell phone okay. and a lot of like everything surrounding of the Apple supply chains are all moving from China to, to mm. Vietnam. And that's for one thing. And the other thing is we've noticed that most of the factories, they are located in north of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you just described eight years ago in most like center center around the south of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But this time, most of the companies move their capacity to north of Vietnam. The reason is because they're close to China. So it's easy for them to move the capacity quickly from China to Vietnam. Right. So are we also seeing that even though the, the products or parts are made in Vietnam, are they... How reliant are they on the supply chains back in China? So we've heard that even though it's a great opportunity for a Vietnam business or say Vietnam company to work on to grab this opportunity to build up their own like supply chain, but they still rely on the material or some like advanced component from China. Mm-hmm. So that just put put into a simple sentence, like they cannot build from zero to final product by right. themselves. They still have to collaborate with China. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing the supply chain just taking shape. It's like still taking baby steps. Do they have an estimation of how long it would take for Vietnam to be able to um, have a, a more complete supply chain? That's really a good question. I've heard two versions of that for one. A supplier of an Apple supply, he told me that probably it only takes around like five years. So Vietnam will probably take over China on the supply chain. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, it sounds promising. But on the other hand, I've also heard that Vietnam will never take place of China because mm. Vietnam, the size of the Vietnam economy is just equal to a province of China. Right. So it's so small. So it cannot take over all the capacity in China. So that's the other side of story. And also we have to look into the like in- infrastructures or and talent shortage problem 
the Vietnam yeah. is facing right now. So let's get into that because uh, according to some stories I have read recently, especially this summer, uh, I think Vietnam was suffering from a lot of power shortages and you were mentioning talent shortages. Tell me about that. Why Why is there such shortage? Right. That's really a good, a good issue that Vietnam has to face right now. So earlier this summer, Vietnam is, is having a huge power shortage in the north part of Vietnam. The reason is quite of simple because you've, we've seen a lot of companies moving from other countries to Vietnam. Right. That is China. Moving from China to Vietnam. So too many companies are moving in. So that's, it's pretty obviously that Vietnam running out of power to support all of these companies. And that's for one thing. And the other thing is I've talked to multiple Taiwanese business. They all said that they never imagined that they were running into this kind of problem in Vietnam. That's something rare in back in China. So they have to adapt to the new reality, trying to move like if they want to settle down in Vietnam, they have to cope with this kind of... Yeah, they need electricity. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to imagine because we would imagine that uh, Vietnam is governed by communists. They should have really high efficiency. They would solve problems. What's holding them down? I've heard of us in China. They always said that you have to cross the river by touching the stone. Right. And in Vietnam, they say they always learn from China to cross the river. Mm-hmm. They learn a lot from China yeah. and they almost copy everything from China. But from this point of view, they don't know how to like put the economic development as their own key performance in indicator hmm. of the local official that means that the local officials still still don't know that like economics their their goal their they have to make it better i mean right. they like of this kind of conscious okay i see yeah so they're not maybe the local officials are not as driven and they don't love money enough no, I think they they like money. So it's it's like a common issue among the developing country. They still have like rivalry, right? Yeah, issues. So I think the local officials still like money, but they don't know that if if they make people happy, make people rich, they'll get more return. But they are still in the early stage of developing. I think. Well, then um, I guess they should really get the. Um, Chinese uh, Communist Party's playbook and really study what they what they do with their local governance. So we're going to talk about a another very interesting company that you have visited, which is uh, Vinfast. So after the break, we're going to come back and talk to Silva about their experience at Vinfast. It's fascinating. Welcome back to the Taiwanology Podcast. This is your host, Huang Yingliu. I'm with my colleague, Silva Shi, in the studio today. But before we start, we're going to play for you a segment that uh, Silva has recorded from the ground. Take a listen. We got the, we 
can see the remaining material here. You know, right. like that goes down. And then below we have some. Okay, so that sounds interesting. That sounds like some machine tool busy at work. Silva, could you tell us about this segment and、uh, where did you record it? So this is the sound from the factory of Finfast. So Finfast is a new brand of the Vietnam electricity vehicle. It's the first one, and I hope it will not be the last one. And this the sound is from the compression shop.、Mm-hmm. So it's the largest one shop in Vietnam. Right, and I I also took a look at at the video. It looks like there were two giant robotic arms handling the stamping machine. Right. Okay. So what more could you tell us about Vinfast? Um. So what I know, which is very little, is that it has made a splash in. In the, the stock market、um, for a brief while,、uh, so is it selling a lot of、uh, electric vehicles? So Finfast is a new venture of the largest business conglomerate in Vietnam. This the called Fin Group. Okay, it's kind of a new experiment of Fin Group to smash into the vehicle electricity vehicle market. So Finfast, yes, it went, it went IPO in August, I think. Yes,、mm-hmm. in I in August, and it it has a lot. It gathered a lot of attention back then because people it's hard to believe that Vietnam make its own EV.、Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine a developing developing country can make a car by themselves. Yeah. So when I was in Thailand, people in Thailand were all very surprised. They feel very threatened by Vinfast.、Really? I should say because we 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 all know that、uh, so Thailand makes a lot of cars. They they even call it Thailand is the Detroit of Asia because it's really a car manufacturing hub. But Thailand doesn't really have its own car brand, whether it's internal combustion engine cars or electric vehicles. So the Thai people, even in the auto automotive, you know, industry, they were all very surprised, and I should say skeptical of how successful Vinfast can be.、Uh, but one thing you said got my attention. So Vin Group, what kind of a group is Vin Group? If we Are going to describe Vin Group. What what do they make? To put it simple, you can say it as the Vietnam Samsung. It okay. It makes almost everything. Okay. It's like a Chebol. Yeah, Chebol. So Vin Group is the largest conglomerate in Vietnam. So it covers every areas in f in your daily life, such as such as like Vin Home is a community like real estate. A, yeah, real estate, and also. Thing Mart is supermarket. It's not only supermarket. Sometimes you, you you can call it like a shopping mall. Okay. Yeah. So thing and also thing school. That's obviously they build their own school. They have their、What? own education system. And also the most importantly, they have thing hospital. Okay. So it take care every from from birth to death. I I you can say that. Yeah, so it's like an all-encompassing company that's very powerful. How did this company 
make electric vehicles? Did they? How did they get talents? Yes, even though that when we talk about car making, people will always think about Thailand. Thailand、mm-hmm. will be the center of the Southeast Asia, but Vietnam also has some capability of of making cars. So. Even though they have some capability, but they do need hire more like for foreign talent、mm-hmm. to help them to build from scratch. And how do they do that? Yes.、Yeah, so I remember when I walk through their shops. I mean, in the factory, one thing that caught my eyes is almost every general manager of every shop are foreigners. Okay. And and they used to work for large like automobile industry or companies such like, as like Mercedes or Hyundai or Toyota. They all come from the big name of the companies. So yes, I think one of the the ThinkFast approach to cut into this EV market is to hire more talent people as more as they can. Right. So、uh, I guess we have all seen the photos of the really shiny and high tech VinFast manufacturing assembly lines. But what are their cars really like? I think you you had a test drive. Yes, in, I did in one of the VinFast vehicles. How was that? Quite interesting. So it's a bumpy road, I would say, but I can notice that they. Pay a lot of attention on a small part of design. For、mm-hmm. example, when I want to open the door, I cannot find where I can open it. That doesn't sound very convenient. <laughs> no, but because they design a quite unique like button to let the user to let the consumer to open it, and they trying to make it so. Special, so it's hard for me to open the door. You no, know, I would say they're trying to be different. Okay, be unique. But what was the riding experience?、Uh, what was that like? The riding experience?、Mm. It's just like I said. It's kind of like a bumpy road, and so not comfortable. Not. I will not say it's comfortable. Not. I will say. It's kind of like a unique experience, so you probably can feel the car will turn apart. I'm afraid. How much does one car cost by VinFast? So the cost is quite different in Vietnam and in US. So let's say in US first, it ranging from forty six thousand dollars to fifty thousand dollars each, I think. But in in Vietnam, the price is. Only half of the U.S. one. Wow. Okay. So in the U.S., VinFast VinFast is more expensive than a Tesla Model Three. It, it sounds like. Yes. They 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 trying not to compete with Tesla, but somehow they still have to compete with them. Are they selling well in Vietnam right now? They claim that they sell pretty good, but if you look into the financial report. They just released last month the report saying that most of the buyers are from GSM. GSM is another company of the Fin Group,、oh, okay, which is also their affiliate affiliate companies of、right. the FinFast. So maybe they have still to work hard to make more like people to buy their cars. Right. Yeah. But I think with the infrastructure, if it's not ready, it's it's hard for the electric vehicles to to pick up. 
Right. Yeah. Apart from VinFast, I think you also visited some other Vietnamese companies. Could you name a few that you have met? Yeah, so I met one of particular interesting company called Selex Motors. Mm-hmm. Why we want to visit this one? Because Janet Yellen visit them as well, oh. and Biden also invite invite the founder of the Selex Motors okay. to the dinner in Vietnam. Oh wow! Uh, what do they make? So Selex Motor is a also is another electric vehicle company in Vietnam. So the founder, one of the founder, is from the United States. He studied in the United States and he returned to his home Hanoi to found these companies. So why we pick this company? Not only because the two the two official of the United States visit them, because we found that. The Selex Motors represent a new model, a new model of the younger generation of entrepreneur of Vietnam. They're trying to make Vietnam better, a, be- a better country, and they want to build a new brand of Vietnam. So they are pretty looking forward to do that. Right. So if Vinfast is Vietnam's answer to Tesla. Selex Motors is like Vietnam's answer to Gogoro. I would say that Gogoro is Taiwan's local, like local top one, uh, yeah, the electric yeah. vehicle. And Selex Motors is also very popular in Vietnam. I I will not say it's popular because still on the the early stage of the development, but one day they will be because they they offer like compatible. Like price, and they work closely with the government. So if the government is like give them a help, I will say it's easy for them to expand the market in the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember when I visited Vietnam, I remember there were so many scooters, just yes. like in Taiwan, and air pollution was also an issue. So I think there's a lot of incentive to replace the polluting scooters with electric scooters. Right, I would say. Okay, so we have talked a lot about business, and now we're going to get into the fun part of Vietnam. What's your favorite part of Vietnam? You know, food or place or fun activities. So. I really admire two two different aspects of Vietnam. For one is when when I went there with my colleague, she's a photographer. Both of us amazed about the energy of the younger generation of Vietnam compared with Taiwan. Give me an example. Yeah. What did you see the young people's energy? So if you live in Taipei, you and you walk on the street, you always feel like. People so depressed. People so unhappy. Like, yeah, unhappy. So it's a common thing. I mean, in the big bigger city, but when you walk street, not only walk street in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh, the younger generations look so like happy, and they look like, and even when you talk to them, they always think that they have some aspiration for their future. They think Vietnam is on the rise. They can contribute to their country, so it all makes you feel like, oh, it's a country with hope. So that's one thing that amazed me. And the other thing is, yes, the food. Okay, the food is Tell so me about good. The food. <laughs> What's your favorite? So my favorite, I I don't know how to pronounce that, but it's a kind of like a rice cake with a string. 
So the food, why why the Vietnamese food is so good? Because they have so many like different cuisine in local. So I even told by a friend of Vietnam, and he said that Vietnam doesn't like to work, so they pay too much time and efforts to think about what's the best to eat. Really? And yes, I mean like that, that's the thing. Yes, I mean, but the food is good. It's good. Yeah. So I I could agree with that because when I visited Vietnam, and I I would ask people, so what's the signature Vietnamese dish? And they would always say it depends on where you go, because Central Vietnam, Southern Vietnam, or Northern Vietnam, they all have different signature dishes, and even the food is different. Yes, the food is the food is so different from North side and South side, but it can only you can only. Also, tell that people are so different in different location, different province by food. I mean, because when I talk to like Taiwanese businessmen, I feel like they all treat people in Vietnam as a whole. I mean, they think there's only one type of Vietnam.、Mm-hmm. But if you look into look into their food, you can see there are so many different type of the food. So that means there's so many types of Vietnam culture. And Vietnam, like people, right? Yeah. So Taiwan is a small place. Even in Taiwan, you would have different foods, and people have different mentality. I I guess in Vietnam, it's it's the same story, right? Uh, there's one more theme that we we touched upon in the first half of our program, which is bamboo diplomacy. I remember when we were working on the the cover story, the the imagery of Bamboo was invoked a couple of times. What is the significance of, of bamboo, and what does、uh, Vietnam think about this kind of strategy? Right. So the phrase "bamboo po- politics" or "bamboo diplomacy" once brought out by the General Secretary of Vietnamese Communist Party, Win Pong Chuang. I hope I pronounce it right. So it described the Vietnamese. Diplomacy as ha- having like strong roots and flexible branch, so it's all like Vietnamese bamboo. So that means the country's approach to the world is soft and clear, clever at the same time. Flexible, yes,、right? flexible. Yeah. Does it mean that right now we're seeing growing rivalry or even animosity between China and the U.S. in? A lot of areas, and and one of the regions is Southeast Asia. What do Vietnam Vietnamese people think about this growing rivalry? So they are worried about that for sure, like every country. Uh, but they think they will not pick a side, like like they describe. They are adopting bamboo、mm-hmm. diplomacy, right? But they feel like the pressure is increasing. Even though they sign the the strat, strat strategical cooperation with the U.S. the IPEF, yes, the not not the IPEF,、oh, the、sorry. other one,、yeah. the strategy one, but、okay. they still think that they cannot piss off China because they have border with China, so it's easy for China to have like influence on them. So they still think that they have tried to. Be balanced on each side, the China and the U.S. side. Right. So let 
we, we could uh, describe them as kind of walking on thin ice. Yes, correct. And the, the last question, we have to kind of come back to the theme of, of Taiwan. So after your um, visit to Vietnam and your after your research and your work for this cover story, what are the implications for Taiwan going forward? That's really a hard one question. So in general, I think it's a total like paradigm shift for Taiwan business and Taiwanese companies as well, because we used to know how to do business with China. But right now we have to shift. We have to switch our focus to other countries other than China. So and Vietnam, Vietnam is one of those like new target for them. So you definitely, definitely have to learn how to adopt new strategy to work with uh, a different culture and different like companies. But I mean, looking, look on the bright side. I remember that the professor of Davidson College, Shelley Rieger, mm-hmm. she wrote a book called The Tiger Leading the Dragon. So it talked about how Taiwan propelled China's economy rise. So I think if Taiwan has that capability to help China to build its economy, right now probably it's time for Taiwan to play this role again. I hope someday or one day the tiger can lead in the Vietnam rice as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Vietnam, Thailand, and other Southeast Asian countries where uh, Taiwanese businesses are, are present maybe but I think, as you said, I agree with you. The one of the biggest challenges is for the Taiwanese business to be more versatile and to be more uh, aware of the different cultural practices and how they deal with, you know, different people and be more sophisticated. I think uh, it's. Um, a lot of challenges going forward, but this is a new real reality that we have to adapt to. Yes, the good old day has gone. Nothing is easy. It's all uphill now. Right. Okay. So well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Silva. Thank you for coming into the studio. Thank you so much for having me again. Good. So we're looking forward to talking with you again for your future trips. So thank you for joining us today. Remember, if you like our show, please leave a review, hopefully constructive, or write us an email to let us know what you think. If you are interested in reading about the emerging roles and ambitions of Southeast Asia, check out Commonwealth's English website for our in-depth reports. Our next episode will be online November 14, where we will be talking about TSMC's challenges in Arizona. This show is produced by Weiru Wang, edited by Ian Huang. I'm your host, Guang Ying Liu. Follow Taiwanology wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you soon.